Welcome to Little Bit Weepish. This is the podcast where I, Megan Cardenas, chat with my friends about the anime that I love episode by episode. And I'm so excited because not only are we kicking it off with a new anime, we have Sam back, you guys. Woo! Yay! Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Sam, welcome back. It's like it's good to be here. Yeah, it's like Q Backstreet Boys, you know, Backstreet's back. <laughs> Q, like, um, oh, what's that other song? Like, the boys are back in town. Like, cue all of the music, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, you guys, of course Sam is back. And of course we are going to talk about Jujutsu Kaisen, which I am super, super pumped for. We're doing this, obviously, before the second season comes out in 2023. I almost said 2003. I'd only be yeah. off for like 20 <laughs> years. <laughs> oh. But yeah, let's just dive right into this. I think that we're, the people are ready. Um. First and foremost, everyone, we know that there is a volume zero manga and movie, technically. Mm -hmm. And I had the privilege of watching the movie and you watched it too, right, Sam? Oh, I did. It was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Yes, (laughs) I loved it. Oh, I loved it. But are we going to talk about it right now? No, because one, the movie isn't out yet on um blu-ray Anything or streaming, that's streaming. Yeah. yeah so it's like it wouldn't really work but also we were like you know what let's just save it for later and let's just dive right into how people first started the series with episode one and with volume one of the manga so let's just dive right into it yeah no I think that that's a really good idea I mean we had chatted about like oh do we do volume zero do we not and I decided to like, okay, so this is the third time I'm watching Jujutsu Kaisen. The second time that I've watched it in like a week, by the way, (laughs) because I told my husband, I was like, you have to watch it. It's so great. And we finished it. And he was like, yeah, that was pretty freaking awesome. Yes. Wait, you're telling me that John hadn't watched it before? (gasps) No. So we started like the first episode together a long time ago. Oh, okay. Uh, my brother was showing it to us when we were visiting in in North Carolina, and then um, he just wasn't moving fast enough for me, so I watched <laughs> it all by myself. And then I was like, "There's no way that you can't watch this just because I watched it without you. I will rewatch the whole thing and just stare at you the entire time to see your reactions." <laughs> um, but the reason why I bring that up is because, um, you know, I I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna start reading the manga just in case we do some back and forth comparisons. And so, because Volume Zero was out, I just <laughs> Volume Zero was out. Um, I figured that I would just start with that. I was like, it's the number zero. We'll just go in chronological order. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I missed that mystery a little bit of like, oh yeah, Utah. Yeah, Utah is. Uh huh. Um, and so I was like, you know what? I just I I like the way that they did it with the show and then the movie kind of reflecting back and perfect in the order that it was put out instead of chronological because I think that it just makes for a better story. 
Oh, perfect. Well, we're going with that, everyone. So hopefully you're on board. Also, I will say this. I'm also going to be watching this a third time because my husband saw me re-watching this and he's like, man, I wish I could re-watch this with you. This is such a good show. And I was like, I mean, nothing's stopping you. I'll watch it with you again. So <laughs> guess what we're going to be doing this weekend? We're going to watch it all over again. It's going to be a good time. Yay! <laughs> now, everyone... Uh, we are going to do just a little bit for format sake. We're going to still do our quick summaries. Of course, quick is in air quotes. Um, you know, <laughs> know yourself. We know ourselves, that whole thing. Then we're going to do themes. And then we're just as a bonus, we're going to be talking about the things that we liked or the added things we wanted to mention that might not have fit anywhere else. So without further ado... Let's just jump right in. Episode one called Ryomen Sukuna. And I hope I said the first name right. But <laughs> if I didn't, I'm so sorry. Now, for the summary. A boy finds himself in a dimly lit room surrounded by seals along the wall and ceiling. A man with a blindfold sits casually in front of him and asks, So which one of you two are you right now? He's Sotaro Gojo, head of the first years at Jujutsu High. Gojo tells the boy, Yuji Itadori, that it was decided that he was going to be secretly executed. Now, before all this happened, Yuji was actually a normal high schooler and was part of the Occult Phenomenon Research Club, which I think is so cute. Now, the track coach had changed his form, so in this agreement, the coach and Yuji um, agreed that they would compete, whether Yuji would join the track team or he'd stay with the occult club. And while all this is happening behind the scenes, another boy is roaming the school grounds. He is searching for a missing special grade curse object, and during the day, he observes this competition. Yuji easily beat the coach, which means that he could stay in the club. And the boy was impressed and wondered how he could pull it off without cursed energy. Maybe he is like a zenin. Now, as Yuji ran, the boy felt a very strong sense of the cursed object. So um, he asked for Yuji to wait, but it was too late. Yuji was on his way to the hospital to visit his dying grandpa. And the grandpa wanted to say a few things before he reached his end, but Yuji was like, no, I'm not interested. But the grandpa did say, when you die, you should be surrounded by people. Don't end up like me. And then his grandpa passed away. Now, Yuji was just about to leave for the hospital when the boy appeared. And Fuji, uh, Fushiguro from Jujutsu High School, that was the boy's name, and he'd come for the cursed object which was highly dangerous. And apparently in Japan, there were over 10,000 unexplained deaths and missing persons. Um, and most of these were a result from curses. And there are schools and hospitals that are hotbeds for these curses. And human emotions like hardship, regret, and shame become the source of these curses, which is why most schools secretly keep a cursed object to serve as a protective talisman until the protection eventually wears off and then people die. 
So Yuji didn't have it anymore. It was just the box that he had, but his friends were going to open this cursed object tonight, which made it really, really bad because the friends were going to die. So Yuji and Fushiguro, they rushed to the school. And just after the two friends tore open the paper seal, it revealed a mummified finger and a horde of these cursed spirits started to fall on them. And Fushiguro, he ran into the school and called his demon dogs to assist them. And he made it just in time. And Yuji, at first he was fearful about dying, um, but he wanted to honor his grandfather. And so he ends up joining and just bursts through a wall and kicks the curse and also saves his friends. Um, because this was not a proper way to die. Now, thankfully, the curse didn't eat the finger, uh, the mummified finger, which would have made it even stronger. But before Yuji could give this cursed object to Fushiguro, another cursed spirit fell on them from the ceiling, and Fushiguro uh, shoved Yuji out of the way to save him. Now, there was a lot of fighting going on, and um, Fushiguro told him that the only way to beat a curse is to have, you know, is with a curse and you can't defeat this. So that meant that Yuji decided in order to save everyone, including Fushiguro, he had to eat this special grade finger, which was a horrible problem because he didn't die. Instead, there was the one in a million chance that now he became the vessel of Ryomen Sukuna, who is now the special grade curse incarnated. And just as Sukuna was relishing in this new age of massacre, um, Yuji shockingly was able to gain control of his body, you know, give it back. And somehow Yuji could suppress this almighty powerful curse but it didn't matter fushiguro was now by law about to exercise him as a curse dun 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 that was <laughs> that was that was a longer summary oh my gosh but there we yeah go. no for sure <laughs> i'm gonna work on it i i realized that i really need to to work on it but Okay. <laughs> but there we go. You're you're a good sport, Sam. You guys, there's a big difference between my summaries and Sam's summaries. I wish I had the efficiency of you, Sam. <laughs> but it is what it is. <laughs> That's so good. Um, I mean, mine's still on the longer side, but I was like, woof. That was very detailed. But other than that. Um, you know, but I mean, like, there's there's a lot in a first episode to kind of cover anyway, to be perfectly honest. Um, they're setting up characters here. They're setting up side characters. They're setting up the mood and what type of people. They're also info dumping a lot in this episode, regardless of if it's said or not. There's a lot to absorb. Well, thank you for cutting me some slack. I greatly appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> no problem. Um. Now, for this theme, I will say I did struggle with this because it's like, this is the first episode. There's pressure mm -hmm. here. Um, mm -hmm. 
And at first I thought maybe I should go with a proper way to die. And then contrasting that between Yuji's grandpa and the students and, you know, going off of that. But then I thought, what about the false sense of security? Like was Sukuna's finger protecting them, but also being the thing that caused them harm. Um, but then I thought I could do a parallel comparison of cursed spirits versus human emotions and tie that into our world. But then I went back to the theme of a proper way to die because Sam, I literally uh, got super emotional when this super sweet lady who reminded me of my grandma, my Japanese grandmother who's since been deceased, um, gave me a hug when I was looking to purchase a bonsai. And I was so emotional that I just was like, all right, I guess I'm going to talk about a proper way to die. So here we go. Um, And for the record, everyone, like my grandma has been deceased for quite some time. It just, you know, like grief, sometimes it still is a little fresh and you just got to let it go Mm -hmm. and work through it. But I I am okay. And I have a beautiful bonsai to remember. You know, I'm a bonsai mom. Um, Yeah. Here we go. So with the proper way to die, I thought it was interesting how Yuji slash Itadori, which I'm going to say I use the first name, last name, interchangeable. I'm apologizing now. Mm -hmm. But uh, Yuji, how he viewed his grandfather's passing as a proper death. When moments before Yuji's grandpa was like, when you die, be surrounded by people. Don't be like me all alone. And so perhaps to his grandfather, you know, with him being reflective and wanting to share last bits of wisdom, he probably realized through some regret that it's... It's not about living a long life. It's about how you lived um, and that that's what makes it proper. But for Yuji, it's like not that that's not the same factor for him. Um, Yeah. You know, it's more of out of concern that no, grandpa got to live a life that was long and of his choosing on when he should go but my friends who are young who have a life to live uh if they die because of these curses then that is an improper way to go and i need to save them um Mm -hmm. so you have these contrasting views on what would make it a proper death a proper life um versus improper definitely um, I, I would like to say that I really like that you did end up choosing this theme because the more that we have talked about it um, and, you know, I've watched the first six episodes in preparation for uh, doing a couple of podcast episodes today. Mm-hmm. I definitely think that this is a theme that is continued throughout at least I the first six well. episodes. Yes. And I think that um, what you're kind of pointing out here is that the question of, well, what is a proper way to die? Uh, Because Yuji's grandpa has a version and Yuji has a version. Then you also have the version that you think is appropriate for the other person, if that makes sense. So whereas Yuji's grandpa might have felt like, yeah, I have a 
proper death because I lived it the way that I wanted to, um, he might think, you know what, Yuji is a much better person than I and he deserves more. Right. Regardless mm-hmm. of if he might think, even though he's saying like, Yuji, you deserve, you deserve to be surrounded by people. Maybe he just doesn't think that the proper death for him might have been to have died alone. Um, um, I love that. And so I think that like we can have different versions to ourselves of how what a per- a proper death is for uh, us and then for others if that makes sense. I feel like I was yes. talking in circles. <laughs> no, well, I also kind of feel like I'm talking in circles because this is this is one of those topics where some people believe that death is just like you get sucked into the ether it's like you're just Mm -hmm. you're you are here and now you're not but then there are people who believe in an afterlife and so to take something that is literally like we are born and we die we come to earth and we go like it is such an abstract thing and sometimes it does Mm -hmm. kind of feel like we are talking in circles because life in and of itself is very cyclical you know, um, well, a really good example of that is, um, I do have a friend that, um, had a really close best friend pass away a little while ago. Mm -hmm. And, um, the friend that the, the friend that I talked to, um, Mm -hmm. has said like, you know, I don't believe in anything after life. I just feel like we return and that is it. Mm -hmm. Um, since her friend has passed, um, she has kind of struggled because she's like, I want this person to have better, a better afterlife than what they had in life. I want mm-hmm. them to still be able to experience the rest of my life with me, mm-hmm. um, to be there when I struggle and um, it's just so interesting that when we have philosophies sometimes that we think that someone might deserve better or deserve less. And so you hope for that person that something else is different. Right. Or maybe hope against what you believe almost. Right. Kind of challenging your own philosophy and your core beliefs mm-hmm. because something that feels as permanent and oftentimes so sad, you kind of hope that there is a better or different alternative to what you may feel Mm -hmm. is the truth. Um, Yeah. And I totally agree with that. And I will say, because you mentioned how this theme of proper death, improper death is echoed throughout the six episodes. Um. Mm -hmm. You know, I I am actually very excited for this just to see how it changes, not to make it be an all an outright theme in the future, mm-hmm. but just to see how this changes because you know, I know in the next episode there's this deal that Yuji has where he can die right then or after mm-hmm. finding and having a purposeful mission, then he mm-hmm. can die. You know, mm-hmm. um, after saving others, living longer, but making it purposeful. It seems like the alternative would still be would still be death. Um, there's also a moment that would happen in the following episode that I want to talk about or at least bring up. But mm-hmm. there is a moment where he kind of struggles. He feels like yeah. this could be the end. 
And uh-huh. he he attributes it as his own fault versus some yeah. like it's a choice to die, which we obviously know isn't always the case. Well, and so it's going to be very interesting to see how he evolves and how he changes and how this affects him and those around him, especially with this jujutsu sorcerer life where death is very much part of the job yeah for sure no i definitely agree with you Mm -hmm. but i think we've touched on this enough so let's just dive right in to the bonus stuff um okay so uh do you have any bonus things to add because if not i have the creepiest uh myth that i want (laughs) to talk about Um, I feel like a bonus for me is just there are a couple moments that I want to point out. Um, So like, first of all, just kind of trying to go in chronological order. At least I'm trying to in my brain. (laughs) Um, You can tell that Yuji has something special about him. And the reason why I say that is because of his physical abilities, like If you were watching, and I don't know if they do this in the subbed, but if you're watching the dubbed, like, they mark off when they're doing the competition of throwing the the shot put. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where, like, the high school coach tosses the ball and he has, like, almost or past Japan's record Mm -hmm. distance. And then Yuji throws his, and he's, like, at the world record, which yep. is, like, three times as far or, what, or whatever. And then you see um, him running away from Megami or Fushiguro, and people are, like, saying, oh, he, like, was scouted for, like, the world track team or, like, the, the mm-hmm. country track team and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then we also see him fighting with the curses, and he's doing these amazing stunts that not a regular person would be able to do. Um, so I just, I just want to point out to people that like, he seems extra special in his physical abilities. And then the second thing that I wanted to point out that I think that it's mindful to kind of keep in the back of our minds um, as we go throughout the season is that um, you don't see any mention of parents really other than like his mm-hmm. parents have passed away and he's yep. with, his grandpa and it seems like his grandpa is the only one that's like his um guardian right yeah um and so um on on his deathbed his grandfather says yuji i want to tell you about your parents and yuji says i don't want to talk about them i just want to talk about you Mm -hmm. um and so like uh yuji kind of like passes passes over that Mm-hmm. almost um to the point where i'm like is what are the questions that we have here like is he upset with his parents um did they die in a bad way were they not yeah like were they not good or is he just like you know what grandpa's dying let's just focus on the last moments that we have or grandpa is the only guardian that i have right um, there are so, so many just, questions like, yeah, like what relationship does he have with his parents? What relationship does he have with his grandpa? Um, and so those are just kind of the things that I wanted to kind of keep in the back of my mind as we continue to watch because I 
feel like those are some unanswered questions. Oh, getting some questions already. Um, <laughs> love it. Now, okay, here is like my creepy, creepy myth um, that I heard from TikTok. Uh, the account mm-hmm. is called Briefed. And Sam, I know that I sent this to you. But it is so creepy. And so, of course, I want to share it with other people. And before anyone goes like, Megan, you're sourcing TikTok. Like, that's not a good enough source. I just want to say that if podcasts like My Favorite Murder can use Wikipedia to source their murders, I can use TikTok for this myth. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, I think it's so funny now that like people source Wikipedia, like it is for sure, like great content. And that it is like, primary, what do they call it? Primary source information. Because guess what people, Wikipedia, anybody can change. And it takes about 24 hours before somebody can catch it. So if you have people changing stuff, like chances are it's not right. (laughs) Sam and I grew up in the era when Wikipedia was absolutely not okay as a source, but you know what? Times have changed. (laughs) Yeah, but times have changed, so I can use TikTok for this. Okay, so, but of course, I will get the link to either this guy's account or his video and put it in the show notes. Now, this is a myth around the man, the myth, the legend, the one and only Sukuna. And I'm sharing this because this is the creepiest one that I have heard. So um, the mangaka Akutami, he confirmed this in an interview. Um, And so this is where this comes from. So there was a mummified Sukuna, which is based off of a real practice called Sokushinbutsu. Sokushinbutsu. I think that's how it's said. And this is when Japanese monks are mummified. They mummify themselves alive so that their bodies do not compose and then they would die and reach enlightenment. Remember this. So, way back when in the 19th century, there was a leader of a heretic religious sect named Mononobe Tengoku. And he bought, this is horrible, but he bought conjoined twins at a show. Two heads, four arms, four legs. And he locked them up in a room where he kept a bunch of other people who had other deformities. This is not a happy-go-lucky story, by the way. If no, this is tra- it's not a happy ending. If this is traumatizing for you, just hit the, hit the seconds forward button a little bit. But... These twins uh, reminded him of the Asura, so he didn't want them to die. And before he locked them in a, in the room, he stabbed everyone else um, to give them, I guess, this advantage and then locked them up. No food. They'd have to eat each other in order to survive. And when he opened it, the only survivors were the conjoined twins. Now, Mononobe was so happy that as a reward, air quotes, he mummified the conjoined twins, um, which, you know, this is what happened. Obviously, they passed away, but they wrapped them up, and then this became the cursed Buddha symbol 
for their religious sect. And it reminded them of Ryomen Sukuna, the devil or a god. And wherever this cult went, uh, they took this corpse. Uh, wherever the cult went, they took the corpse. And they caused disasters. At least eight earthquakes in total. And um, for some crazy reason... Uh, Mononobe, after the 8th, he wrote in blood, Japan shall perish, and the curses continued. Now, fast forward to 2005, the urban myth continues, where construction site workers found a two-meter wooden box that was sealed off in the back of a room, and the box had been aged, sealed shut with nails, with wrappings that had a tag on it that said, Ryomen Sukuna is sealed here. So the workers contacted a local priest at a church, uh, at a temple, and the priest said, do not open the box, I'm coming. Now, before he could get there, two students, overnight, they opened the box, and then, so by the time the priest got there, along with some of the workers, they found that the box had been opened, and they were shocked to see a mummified corpse that had two heads, four arms, and four legs. And the priest... He exercised them all and said, it's too late for you, but I've exercised you. He takes the mummified corpse with him. Um, now, there was someone who verified this with the priest's son, who was no longer a part of that life. But um, he did this, this person verified, because over the next several days and weeks, the students, um, well, first, the construction workers, some of them... Um, were coming down with heavy fevers. Two of the students died, and the other one, there was a third one, um, was transferred to a mental institution. So they believe that the curse was real. And the son who was verifying this said that um, it was because of the Ryomen Sukuna curse, because they opened the box, and on top of that, no one has heard of the priest since. He has since disappeared. And where this myth originates is where the mangaka was born, and so he used this myth influence slash could be true, could be not story to influence our main villain, Sukuna. Eek! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so creepy. I know, oh. but I love it. Oh, so good. So... <laughs> That is it for episode one. So I think we're ready for episode two. Welcome back, everybody. We are now moving on to episode two, and the title is For Myself. And I will give you just a really quick summary, quick in terms of in comparison to Megan. <laughs> maybe not like, maybe not 30 seconds like I used to try to do, uh, just because I feel like there still is a lot of information dump. But here we go. <laughs> uh, we pick back up on the roof of the school as Gojo relays what happened the night of the attack at the school. As Gojo asks Megami, or Fushi Girl, um, if he has found Sukuna's finger, <laughs> Yuji makes his presence known and tells Gojo that he's eaten his finger. He's kind of like, um, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> like, so are funny. you not aware? <laughs> um, 
But then uh, Gojo takes a long look at Yuji, like getting super close to his face, and confirms in a joking tone that he is indeed fully melded with Sukuna's spirit. He then asks a few clarifying questions like, can he transform at will and control Sukuna's presence? Yuji confirms that he ha- that he can do that and is then asked by Gojo to allow Sukuna out for 10 seconds and then to repress him again. Um, during this go- time, Gojo was like, oh, since I have my student here, I will just like show off a little bit. <laughs> um, and what he's trying to do is he wants to see the extent that Sukuna fights him and what powers he's able to emit from Yuji's body. Then he starts counting down the last few seconds when Yuji is able to transform back into himself. Um, Gojo is impressed and then um, then he decides to like make Yuji or I guess Itadori depending on how you want to say it uh, but he makes him black out by like waving his hand in his face I feel like in a very silly like here you go darling I think he like taps him on the forehead which cracks me up because it's like out of all the things to knock you out it's just a little boop there we go a little bop yep (laughs) Um, during that time, uh, right after he kind of boops Yuji on the head, Gojo <laughs> asks Megumi what their next step should be. Um, Megumi says, then says that the laws state that Yuji should be killed, but he doesn't personally think that they should do that with Yuji. He asks Gojo if he can help keep Yuji alive, and Gojo says that he will try. Like, almost kind of like a, I've got your back, buddy. I'll try my best. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we're back in the present with Yuji tied up in a cursed blocked room where Gojo states that he has fought against the council and they have approved Yuji's death to be delayed which I feel like that's your good news great <laughs> <laughs> like, that's so silly news so bad <laughs> Gojo then proposed that they allow Yuji to act as a vessel for Sukuna's fingers as they collect them and then kill him once he has uh, collected all 20 and eaten them, which would effectively trap Sukuna and kill him too. Um, Gojo gives Yuji the option to take the offer or just be killed now. Um, As Yuji takes some time to cremate his grandfather, he decides that he is going to help out with Sukuna's cursed fingers. Um, It's that or waste his life. And that's kind of how he views it. He's like, I can either like make use of myself um or or just die wastefully um which he doesn't want to do so he decides that he wants to help then gojo feeds him another finger watches yuji's reaction and deems everything good enough for them to make their way to jujutsu high to see if he can be admitted by principal yaga the interview consists of yaga asking for yuji's motivation to get into the school yuji says that his motivation is his grandfather's dying wish Yaga states that the motivation needs to be more intrinsic and selfish. So meaning like uh, inwardly motivated. Um, so Yuji states that he is the only one who can be Sukuna's vessel and it is his responsibility to stop him from being able to be alive again. Yaga deems that appropriate and allows him to enroll. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> um, and so like for a little while... I like sat down for a really long time to try to think of like, what could the theme be? Um, And so I decided that underestimation is Mm -hmm. a fairly good theme throughout this episode. So um, 
a lot of this is tied to also a TikTok that <gasps> I I'm I sent you. Oh yeah, um, that's where right. um I'll, I guess I'll I'll leave that till later. Um okay. <laughs> because that was like my big reveal and I just revealed it at the beginning. Almost revealed it at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. <laughs> God, dang it. Um, so in the beginning of the episode, Gojo finds himself looking at Yuji to see if he did in fact eat the finger. Um, for me, like I know that in terms of like how long throughout the episode he actually looks at Yuji, it's not very long, but I feel that he deems that they truly have resonated. Like he has done something to truly see into Yuji or to see the cursed energy from Sukuna specifically to be like, yep, he's truly eaten that freaking finger. <laughs> um, so I think that he's taking precautions. He's not underestimating what's going on because literally I feel like in Jujutsu Kaisen, like anything goes. Oh, like legitimately anything yeah. goes. <laughs> 100 yes yes yeah and so i feel like gojo is just like you know what i like it's megami's probably not lying over here about that (laughs) um and i think despite megami being afraid that this is the first time we are seeing how serious sukuna is as a cursed spirit um for for gojo who is such a high level sorcerer the highest if we're gonna you know throw that out there or one of the highest um for him to take a moment when he's just so flippant with a lot of other things to to see if this has really happened um makes me feel like this is a little more intense than what he's truly conveying mm-hmm. um so if gojo is trying to suss it out he's got to be pretty intense um though he is a crazy guy kind of guy meaning gojo Um, who was always joking around, he seems to be taking quite a few precautions um, and trying to not underestimate this new kid who he's never talked to before, Megami's word, or the fact that such a high-level demon curse or curse object could be eaten. Um, Next up, he, um, Gojo is taking precautions. Maybe it should be precautions instead of underestimation. Anyway, um, Gojo is taking precautions to test Yuji to see if he can handle Sukuna. He asks him to transform into Sukuna, hold it for 10 seconds, and then transform back into himself. In a sense, he's trying to understand three different things. So, number one, can he actually summon Sukuna? Like, just because he ate the finger, does that mean that he can actually, like, make him come forth? Um, Sukuna is a very stubborn spirit that that can be hard to handle. Um, and he could just hide and never actually help out. So that's one thing that I think that he's testing. The second one is, can he ensure that Sukuna will stay for a set period of time, no matter how long that might be? Um, and so during those 10 seconds, he sees that, yes, Yuji can allow him out for a certain period of time. Um, so he also finds out, like, what abilities does Sukuna have? What can go, or sorry. Can Gojo actually handle Sukuna, even at the lowest level of, like, just having one finger absorbed inside himself? Mm-hmm. Can he subdue Sukuna? And we do see that throughout the episode. Like, he's he's gauging, he's fighting, he's, he's evading Sukuna's attacks. Yes, I think that he can subdue him. Yes, I think that he can evade him. I think that he does a really good job of that. And then one that they don't really say, but I think is important to know is 
how does Yuji's body handle the power flowing through him? Um, I mean, like we've seen in other types of shows where they have like this really big power up that like their bodies can't handle it and that they either like burn out or something bad happens. I feel like that happens like if we're just going to give an example, Attack on Titan with Eren when he's trying to like flex his skills of being able to harden things outside of his own body um, when they're kind of hiding out in that fourth season. He's very exhausted. He's very emaciated. He looks sickly. A lot of things, right? Um, right. And so Gojo's kind of seeing like how does Yuji's body handle this much cursed power? Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks like everything is fine. Um, and then the third thing that I think that Gojo is kind of testing is can Yuji actually be called back once he is possessed by such a strong spirit? A special grade of all things um, because we find out that Sukuna is what is called a special grade. Um, and we find that Yuji can be pulled back. So he once he is letting Sukuna to the forefront of the body, he can also trade back and be normal again, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. Um, and so this sense, like, Gojo's just very much making sure that, like, he sets and gauges expectations with this Sukuna-Yuji combo, which I think is great. Um, the next part that I think that is my favorite is after sending Yuji to sleep, Gojo asks Megami what he thinks he should do. He's asking the student how the situation should be handled. And I think that there's a couple things about this that I that just really make me think more about Gojo in terms of like a teacher or a, a mentor is that number one, he's testing Megumi's knowledge of the situation and the rules the sorcerer has. And at the end of episode one, like you said, Megumi's like, well, I know the, the sorcerer's laws or the jujutsu laws and he has to be exercised. Mm-hmm. And so like, that's kind of what Megumi spits out once Gojo says that. But then he's also testing Megumi's decision-making as well. Can he work with the laws? Can he interpret them to the situation, I guess? Um, And so, like, does he act with his heart or based off of just the rules? And I think this will come more into play once we start understanding Gojo's idea, or sorry, ideals a little bit later on in the series, why this is kind of important. Mm -hmm. Um, So just kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Um, after that, um, Yuji makes his decision to help out with Sukuna's curse. Gojo gives him another finger to eat. Um, we see that the phases of, um, once, once Yuji eats that second finger, um, there's like little things that they put within this anime that I just think are so interesting to like very subtle things that pop up that show you more about the person. Um, but we see the phases of, of Yuji as he processes through eating the finger where he slightly loses control and then he gains it back, right? Like he's mm-hmm. kind of like, and all of <laughs> these dramatic things that he does. The whole time, Gojo continues to tighten his fist more and more as he's watching Yuji's fight for control. And I thought that that was a weird choice at first, like the first time that I watched it. And then I watched it over and I was like, huh, 
I realize that Gojo is just preparing for the worst. Again, mm-hmm. he's not wanting to underestimate Yuji's ability to control Sukuna or Yuji or Sukuna's ability to like surpass him big time. Right. Um, and kind of take control. And so at this level of fingers that he's ingested, Yuji might not be able to handle the next level of power added to him. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to like tighten up this fist and get ready to punch if I need to. And <laughs> my last point is, did you think that I was just talking about us underestimating others during this whole thing? Like it's just Gojo trying to like keep people in check and make sure that he's like not underestimating them. But my overall desire for this underestimation is Gojo himself. I feel, and this is based off of the TikTok that I was mentioning before. Um, But this TikToker, and I did, I I will send you the TikTok so that you can put it in the show notes. um, Because I think that she does a really great job of explaining. But she's like, I think that the fandom of Gojo just thinks of him as like this joking ding dong. And, and in like reality, super, super hot, you know? Yes, and super, super hot. <laughs> yeah. But she's like, in reality, I think that he does a lot of things to keep other people safe because he is so powerful himself. And so mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to add to this um, that like, I think this is the perfect time to mention that because of how Gojo acts throughout this episode, many people just write him off as a goof and don't take him seriously. Like he says a lot of goat joking things that kind of make him like cute chibi at different points. <laughs> um, but remember, he is a very powerful, powerful sorcerer with lots of power. And all of these points show that he has thought through each stage of the process and really does take things seriously even though he takes risks as a person um he does things Mm -hmm. in a joking way and kind of messes around but in the end he's he's being extremely responsible as he takes risks and i think that they're just very calculated risks I love that. And I also (laughs) want to say that I am on board with this quest to deepen the appreciation and understanding of Gojo. (laughs) Because kind of like how we, I was kind of with Levi, you know, expanding the fandom, not just to be, you know, we sent for him because look at him, but just to show the depth, Mm. you know, because yeah, Gojo like he is so powerful he is and he does come off a very certain way where he does not care but Mm. you know is it a lack of caring or is there another motive and i think that by the way you laid all this out with how he's taking precautions how he's involving other people's opinion but like or seeing where they're at, but preparing mm-hmm. all at the same time, like it just shows that he's got a lot more going on in his head than him being just the cute blindfold guy, you know? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. I agree. I just, I really wanted to take this moment to like kind of set it straight that like he is, he's a lot deeper than what people are giving him credit for. You can still play around and be serious at the same time. And I think that Gojo just, 
it's kind of like when people laugh at like their own pain they're like oh i had a terrible day ha 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 yeah i feel like that's just how gojo kind of is he's just like oh sugan is such a powerful spirit this is gonna suck but you know (laughs) yeah he just kind of goes with it oh man well i'm excited to see how this evolves over time me too definitely i and i'm i'm excited to like point them out so that people mm-hmm. think he's deeper, like smart and sexy. Right? Uh, I love that combo. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but let's move on to bonus. It looks like, Megan, you have a couple bonuses or yeah. bonus information to kind of throw in there. Yes. Well, this was more of just, well, first, this was more of an opinion. Um, I want to know, like, would you want a teacher like Satoru Gojo? I I would not. I would not want him as my teacher. Just because like I feel like his methods would be very like Mr. Miyagi, wax on, wax off. Why am I working on the fence <laughs> when I should be learning karate? Yeah. Like Fushi Girls, like, why am I searching for this cursed spirit? Like, you know, I feel like that would drive me nuts. Um, though I do appreciate unconventional teaching. <laughs> So, but then also more like bigger than that, he has total cool guy, you know, BDE going on. It would just make me so nervous to be around him. I would not want my teacher being that handsome. So (laughs) I could not. Um, I feel like I am very much like Fushiguro and like, get to the point, please. I just like... (laughs) I'm supposed to be learning, like, let's learn and not, like, let's yeah. be direct. I'm, like, the happy, well, the nicer Fushiguro. Yeah. But yeah. inside, I am definitely, like, straight up Fushiguro. Like, I'll be nice <laughs> about it, but, like, that's what I'm thinking in my brain. Oh, um, my gosh. So, I definitely feel along the same lines of, like, oh, I just want to punch you in the face. I'm seriously going to punch him. <laughs> Um, but like if I was his colleague, I'd be like, wow, you're just so unconventional and you're just raising strong students. <laughs> um, but yeah, as a teacher, I would probably, I mean, I don't know. Cause like, oh, what is it called? What's the, um, dang it. Describe it to me. I'm blanking on his Whoa. name. Whoa. Robin Nothing. Williams, where oh. he's the teacher. <gasps> Oh, um, Dead Poets Society? Oh, Captain, my captain. Yeah. Yes. I feel like he is the better looking, much more goofy Dead Poets Society teacher. And I love that movie, though. And I'm like, ooh, if that's like real life practice, if that's Satoru Gojo, maybe. I don't know. I'm all over the place. As adult me, yes, I would hate it. As teenage me, I would be like, yeah. Sam, this is this has been some <laughs> devastating information. I do not like Dead Poet Society. <gasps> no, I know it's sad, but it's so. Oh, oh no! We're <laughs> everyone's like everybody. The podcast we... has been cut short. Megan and Sam are no longer friends. Yeah, this is devastating news. <laughs> exactly. You and I are both devastated because of the others. <laughs> out of all the things oh my gosh we're obviously gonna have to take this conversation off mic because i'm just so curious about why you like it (laughs) oh my gosh oh okay go ahead 
Well, after we got sidetracked by that devastating yes. information from both of us, um, I thought it was very interesting that with Itadori acting as vessel and possessions mm-hmm. being a theme, a common theme in anime, I did find in a CBR article that Judeo-Christian cultures, they fixate on casting out spirits. But Japanese folklore Mm -hmm. focuses on the vessels attempting to live with their spirit guests. So Itadori and Sukuna, Naruto and Kurama. Um, You know, I'll put the link in the show notes, but I just thought that that was a very interesting cultural difference between, you know, Western and Eastern and Judeo-Christian and um buddhist shinto uh belief systems you know i just thought it was very interesting yeah no i and i definitely agree with you i feel like one is embracing and one is expelling and they're just two very different ideologies and it's like so is uh it's almost like i mean at least with itadori and sukuna because i don't know i haven't watched enough naruto to understand his relationship relationship with Kurama Kurama golly um but at least with Itadori and Sukuna Sukuna it's almost like a power up yeah in terms of like oh this is actually a good thing like it, it's added more well not necessarily a good thing it's kind but it's of, added more meaning to his life it's kind of like harnessing fire think of all the things you can do with fire it's amazing but can Mm -hmm. fire literally destroy you and everything yeah yeah if you're not careful so it's kind of like that yeah okay but um but yeah i thought that was interesting now any bonus stuff for you yeah so i've got two different ones one's a little bit more one's a little funny and then the other one's kind of more of like an information dump just to kind of understand a little bit more but my thing is, is like, why of all things does Yuji announce his preference in women to the principal? Like, I would <laughs> never have thought to do that ever. And I would never do that in a meeting with somebody, like, for the first time. Like, I just had a meeting today in work. And, like, it was very superficial talking and stuff like that. And I felt so embarrassed when my kid walked in. And I was like, this is too personal. <laughs> like, and especially if someone is your senior, like your teacher, your principal, your boss, your manager, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. Like, I would not be like, hi, my name is Sam Kemp. And I liked, uh, I'm blanking (laughs) on every man's name. (laughs) Uh, Hemsworth, not Liam, Chris Hemsworth. There you go. And I like Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) Like, I would never do that. That would be hysterical, though, if we all introduced ourselves like that. That'd be hysterical. <laughs> I'm just laughing at what I could say. Oh man! At this point, I'm like more like, oh, what's who's my book boyfriend? That's why I couldn't think of any actors' names because I'm like, hi, my name is Sam, and my book boyfriend is Rip. <laughs> who's that from? Um, ah, uh, that is from the Plated Prisoner series, um, the Guild series. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. We are actually going to be covering it in my other podcast, Wandering Briaxis, next week. But Everyone? This, it'll be out. 
forever ago oh yeah by the time this comes out so but everyone if you're not following wandering free access and you're a bookworm like what are you doing join join there as well you know yeah get the best of both worlds <laughs> anime here exactly. books over there you get it in both exactly <laughs> yeah but that's a that's a side tangent we don't need to talk about that too much uh my, ne- my next point um is i wanted to refer to um yuji when he's using chopsticks to remove the bones of his grandfather after cremation mm-hmm. um i was like i know that this is kind of like a, some type of practice i just didn't know the name i didn't understand it very much um so i kind of just typed in like chopsticks after cremation <laughs> oh my gosh um, and a a really like a blog that uh gosh dang it a blog popped up and it's um just kind of describing like the practice and I am going to botch this word I tried to look it up how to say it and I just can't do it um katsuage I think is how you say it yeah katsuage katsuage yeah that's the katsuage I think the only person will offend is Rachel in Japan so sorry Um, this is, this is just a tradition for family members to give their final goodbyes and to send off their family member as they pass on. Um, what they do is they will start from the bottom and move upwards, I believe. Yes. Uh, placing the bones into the urn, um, and they will pass the bones from family member to family member, depending on how many people that you have, um, to then get for it to be placed in the urn so everybody kind of like is a part of the journey moving towards death um and uh the special process that happens from cremation all the way through them being uh added to the cemetery um so there's kind of a period of time where there will be a cremation then the family will put the urn on their family altar and then the urn will make it to the cemetery um I think that it's very interesting to know, and this blog kind of points it out as well, is that um, in like Western society, that um, when somebody is cremated and the bones are left over, we actually take the ashes and not the bones. And it's the opposite way um, with Japanese culture. So that's just kind of another difference uh, between Western and Eastern culture. But um, I have the link to that blog if you want to learn more about it. She kind of does a step-by-step question. Um, and Megan can put those in the notes as well. Yeah. And Sam, I read it also and I thought, gosh, this is so beautiful. Like, I don't know. I find this stuff fascinating. Just the different, like for mm-hmm. the fundamental, like big questions in life, how different cultures answer those questions or the traditions mm-hmm. behind it. So yeah, I thought this was beautiful. Absolutely. will include it in the show notes in case anyone's curious. Okay, well, I think that's it. So let's go to episode three. All right, everyone. Okay. (coughs) Here we go. All right, everyone. Now we're back with episode three, Girl of Steel. So for the quick summary that I'm, I swear (laughs) I'm going to do better and try to speed this up. So the third and final first year student has made her first or her final stop. Megumi and Yuji are on their way to pick her up. Um, It's weird that there's only three of them, but that's because 
knowing someone who can see a curse is actually very rare. And of course, Gojo also joins them. And when they find this student, she is harassing a talent scout for a modeling gig. I feel like this is so weird, but it sets up her personality very well. Oh my gosh, you can deduce so much from her just from this one moment. Um, But the student's name is Nobara Kugisaki. Kugisaki. Yep. Nobara Kugisaki. And um, basically, before she can get a straight answer from the scout, Gojo and the others call her over and she says... You should be honored, boys. I'm your group's girl. <laughs> I have to say, if someone ever said that to me, or like, I'm your group's boy, or like, whatever, I would just laugh. I, I'd also be like, who is this person? Yeah. Who do they think they are? <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. Gotta love the confidence. But anyway, needless to say, first impressions, they don't go well. But Gojo has a surprise for them. They're going to Tokyo. <laughs> And they're super, super excited until <laughs> until they get to a large building that is radiating yeah. cursed energy. There's a cemetery close by. So cemetery plus abandoned building equals a cursed <laughs> playground. And the students have to get rid of them as kind of a field test. So Yuji, he's given a weapon and he and Nobara, uh, yeah, Nobara, they go make their way in. Fushiguro is told to stay. Now, despite Yuji's lack of experience, the test was really for Nobara. And the two decide to separate, despite Yuji's hesitation. And Yuji fights his first curse. And he actually does really well because of his natural abilities. Does he (laughs) have moves or what? Now, Nobara, she makes her way. I feel like I'm saying her name so bad, and I just want to apologize. I'm so Nobara right is now. how I say but it. Nobara. Yeah. Nobara. Okay. Nobara. If you want to, if you just want to be bad together, so that's how I say it. <laughs> okay. Cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. Nobara um, made it to the top, and you know she's got her little curse weapons this hammer and nails in hand and she hits this cursed mannequin right in the head but it doesn't immediately die tokyo curses are on a different level than the countryside where she's from now there is a little kid in the corner uh, but another curse grabs the kid as a hostage through this wall that he emerged from or that it emerged from. And this curse has intelligence. So dropping her weapons, Nobara tries to negotiate and to have the boy go, which puts her own life at risk. But Yuji punches through the wall and then cuts off the curse's arm to release the boy. Now the curse starts to escape. Nobara throws a straw doll down and then hammers the nail right through the center and the curse just dies. And Gojo's happily... He resolves that um, Nobara was crazy enough to continue. Good for her. (laughs) Now, Nobara recalls a time when there was a girl named Saori who moved to her village from Tokyo. Cute as a doll, kind as a nun, but ostracized by the villagers. And in the end, this woman, girl, woman, eventually left. Um, And Nobara, she wonders what would happen if she stayed in the village. But in the present, Yuji and Nobara 
are arguing despite their success. And Yuji asks why she wanted to go to Jujutsu High in the first place. And Nobara yelled, it's because the countryside sucks and she wanted to live in Tokyo. And side note, I think the Japanese countryside sounds like a dream and a half. (laughs) I want to go so bad. There's an Instagram account called like Cheap Houses of Japan and I follow it religiously. So yeah, that sounds like a dream to me, but this is not my dream. (laughs) This is Nobara's dream. So it was her ticket out of there. Nobara believes that if she stayed in the village, she'd be as good as dead, but she did thank Yuji for saving her and the boy and they would still continue butting heads. And of course, Fuji girl would be quiet and then they would turn their attention to teasing him. And now, in July 2018, in West Tokyo City, at the Isu Juvenile Detention Center, an unnamed, (laughs) so bad, an unnamed apparition of a potential special grade emerged and its cursed womb was witnessed by several non-Jujutsu sorcerers. This was an emergency... And Fushiguro, Yuji, and Nopura were dispatched to the scene. And all... Wait, no. And <laughs> one of them, not all, but one of them died. You're like, yeah. What a cliffhanger. You're not joking. <laughs> yeah. No. We're, we mean business here. Now, for this theme, I'm going to make it quick. But I did think this whole entire time that the theme should be, there's always another way. I did think that, to a degree, this did kind of fall into an underestimated Mm -hmm. theme that you'd mentioned, um, because I think that there's just this underappreciated or undervalued Mm -hmm. level of genius when people can just pivot quickly and find another way, another solution, so... I feel like this was really illustrated by a lot of things. One, when the curse used its intelligence to grab a hostage, it knew it wasn't strong enough. So it took another course of action. And then Yuji, he found another way by punching through the wall to get to the curse. He didn't use the expected door. Literally took another route entirely. And Nobara... She pivoted when she used her straw doll uh, with uh, when her nails and the negotiating didn't work out. uh, She used the straw doll to get rid of the curse. And she's also using Jujutsu Haya as just another way for her to get out of her. Well, I think to add kind of with Nobara, um, there's a point in time that after. So like this whole this whole time, um, while. Yuji and Nobara are in the building. Fushiguro and Gojo are talking. Yeah. Um, Gojo's trying to kind of educate Megami. He's like, you're out here because you're still hurt. Uh, You know, and this is also a time to uh, let them be on their own. And Megami's like, oh, well, you do need somebody to supervise Yuji. And he's like, oh, it's like, I get that. But it's actually not about Yuji. It's about Nobara. And uh, Megami's like, well, she's dealt with curses before. Like, why would we be testing her at all? And Gojo says, well, like, there's a big difference between country curses and city curses based on, like, people's negative energy and the amount of people. Um, And so what's going on here is that Nobara is going in thinking 
a certain type of curse and realizing that there is a stark difference between the curses that she is used to and the curses that are in the city because she is realizing that this curse is much more sentient yeah like has thought and all of that type of stuff than what she's expecting so you see her pivot there of like oh man i've got to take this seriously but then also in this hostage situation you actually see her thinking process of trying to pivot and pivot quickly um, because she's like well if the boy dies i can live but if i die the boy will definitely die so what i should do is and then all of a sudden that's when she decides that it doesn't matter yep if she will die trying to save the boy that that is just the only option for her that regardless she will try to save him and so i did like seeing her thinking process of yeah she's naturally pretty self selfish um <laughs> yep. but she she tries to pivot that nature of herself and save the kid too which i thought was really cool oh yeah yeah and you know that is it for my theme i just thought that they beautifully illustrated it with that test uh just there's always another way so let's move on to our bonus stuff sam what did you like hey cool uh my first thing is like gojo when he's talking to megami is just talking about like the craziness level that you need (laughs) to be a jujutsu sorcerer yeah like you have principal yaga who's like you have to have a certain intrinsic motivation to be a jujutsu sorcerer and gojo's like nope you just gotta be crazy yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so when he says oh good she's crazy i'm like is that really the qualification that you have here gojo like you are just a goob (laughs) i think that it takes a combination of motivation but just like an unrelenting tenacity and maybe that yeah. in and of itself is what makes you crazy. Exactly. You know, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, the other thing that I wanted to add was, I guess I've already said it in my explanation for Nobara, but just that like Gojo is trying to make sure that he clarifies with Megami that like he's testing Nobara. And just because she has had previous experience doesn't mean that she's going to be good. Mm-hmm. at what she does uh, she might have been good for the countryside but that doesn't mean that she's going to fit within like their group and i think again kind of like what i was saying in episode two like he's trying to test their ideologies as well to see if they are teachable under his tutelage and like yeah. his ideals yeah definitely so, yeah. doing another unconventional test but it pays off um I did think it was hysterical when Nobara kicks Yuji and he yells at her like, you're an out of control roller coaster of emotions today. And then she just makes some <laughs> comment like, this is why the girls don't like you. And he's like, how does that, how, would you, how would you even know that? And then under his breath, he just goes, bitch. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like even... Even Itadori, who can be kind of a little bit of like a golden retriever, even he had his limits. Yeah. And I yeah. I did think it was interesting though. Like if if this is hap- if this happens to be your first time watching Jujutsu Kaisen, I would be shocked if it is. But if this is your first time and you're just like, oh my gosh, Nobara, I literally can't stand her. Like, don't worry. There's going to be more to her. Like when my husband yeah. saw me watching this. And it was, like, stuck on Nobara. He was like, you know, I was so worried that she would be kind of the Sakura 
of the team, which that's a Naruto mm. reference, you know, the soccer of the team. <laughs> and he's like, I am so glad that that's not the case. And I just, I feel like that sums it up. So if you are yeah. nervous about Nobara, don't worry, stick around. I feel like um, I had heard this around and I can't like cite any sources, but a lot of people are like, man, Jujutsu Kaisen is really progressive with their female characters. Yeah. And, like, they're not just like, boobalicious or maybe <laughs> passive that they like hold their own and mm-hmm. provide value instead of just like uh just fluff if that makes sense yes it does and there's nothing more that i cannot stand than a poorly written female tropey character mm-hmm. and you're yeah. right Jujutsu Kaisen definitely magnifies the complexity, badassery of every female character. I love it so much. Yeah. So. Me too. Okay. Well, I think that's a wrap. So let's move on to the final little segment. Instead of MVP, which kind of this would bleed into an MVP, but we're going to focus this on like a favorite character or a favorite character moment. And so. Okay. Yeah, Sam, why don't you talk about either your favorite character or favorite character moment? Okay, so my favorite character was Megumi these Ah! past three episodes. Um, He just seems to be growing on me the more that I've watched Jujutsu Kaisen. (laughs) Um, He seems to be the one that like grounds everybody, which I'm like, oh, cool. That's me too. Or at least I try to be. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he's like the one that's more practical, but also kind of takes chances at the same time. Um, He's willing to learn, but isn't sacrificing his morals to get ahead of the others. Yeah. Um, Like, you see a lot throughout the episodes where, like, even though he kind of thinks that Gojo is kind of a big dummy, like, he talks about, like, wanting to punch him multiple times. (laughs) Um, Like, he he actively, like, when there's a teaching moment, he's he's sitting there trying to learn. Um, And I feel like you see him trying to protect Yuji as a civilian, civilian. But also as Yuji moves into being a student, he does it, he does take the time to explain things to him, mm-hmm. um, which I think is like a good student and also a good learner because like you learn best by teaching others as well. Yeah. So um, him taking those moments like when they walk up to this building, like he's he tries to educate him on like, oh, what is it? The curses that are in there. And then I think also like the weapon. I think he he tries to I think, give him some information on it. And mm-hmm. Nobar is like, how does he not know this already or whatever? Oh. So we have kind of like that difference. Yes. Um, but um, like also as Nobara and Yuji are doing their mission together, like he offers to help watch Yuji for Sukuna's appearance and asks Gojo. And then, oh, sorry. He, he tries to help by, like, saying, oh, I'll go in and I'll watch Yuji just to make sure he's okay. And then, like, also trying to ask Gojo what he's trying to test for and kind of understand that more. And I just think he's one of my favorites because of that. Oh, well, very good. I like it. I like it. He's definitely a good one. <laughs> um, now, I will say I feel so basic for giving this answer. But I think that my favorite character for these three episodes has to be Yuji Itadori 
I know. So, yeah. so basic. But here's the thing. He was thrown into this world because he just wanted mm-hmm. to save his friends and Fushiguro. You know, he is brave, but it's kind of in like an admirable and attainable sort of way because we did see him yeah. be terrified to enter the school. He was very scared of dying. And but he uh-huh. still went anyway. And yes, there are moments when he can be positive, but there was also this moment when just before he ate Sukuna's finger that he said that he also was like a curse himself because of these feelings that he had and i can resonate with that a lot just like where you try to be outwardly super welcoming super um friendly sometimes you just have a hard time with being kind to yourself i can resonate with that yeah and so definitely um i also just loved his interactions with novara (laughs) I thought that they were very realistic and relatable. So, yeah, I have to mm-hmm. give it to Itadori. So cute. So I mean, <laughs> I I like I understand you're like, "Oh, I don't want to pick the main character, but I'm going to." Yeah. And it does feel like very basic, but the thing is is that like that's the great thing about Jujutsu Kaisen is that like you try so hard not to like the main character, but he's written so well and he's just He's just great. Yeah, I will say most times, most times, I love the side characters more than I love the main character. Yeah. But Itadori is just one where I'm like, you got my heart just right here, you know? So, so yeah, I think that those were solid favorite characters um, for the first episode. So, everyone, that is a wrap. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so happy that you are here with us for a little bit weebish for Jujutsu Kaisen. Now, if you would like to support mm-hmm. the podcast, the best way to do that is to share this episode with a friend, make them rewatch Jujutsu Kaisen with you to get ready for that second yes. season, you know, tell them to do this with you yes. or give us a review. You know, because that also helps. Um, It helps spread the word, tells people that, hey, this is a good podcast. So if you could do that for us, that'd be great. Also, bonus, please, if it could be written, that'd be even cooler. Now, next week, we are going to be covering the next three episodes, episodes four through six. So be sure to watch those ahead of time to join us again. And of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Send us an email at littlebitweebish at gmail.com, or you can send us a DM on either Instagram or TikTok. You can see the show notes for links to those as well. And thank you so much. We will see you all next week. Bye.